Hello, everybody. How's it going? It's been a minute since my last episode. I hope you miss me for those who stick around. But if you're new here, probably who you, the ones who are listening right now. So welcome. And today I have a very, very cool guest and a very, very cool person who I stumbled across the TikTok. And she is, wow. I honestly, I kind of... <laughs> You blew my mind. So let me like I'll let you I'll let you do the introduction. How's it going, Ashley? It's going excellent. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm obviously excited because it's been a minute since I recorded my last episode, but it's really good to kind of dive back and have you on the show for the for this. It's good to be here. The comeback. <laughs> yeah. So to everybody who's listening, because this is just like an auditory podcast, not a video podcast. Uh, Ashley, I found Ashley on TikTok and through actually the first video I found of you was the what's uh, some the one who you took down with the a secret, uh, the, the lifestyle of the rich, I think something like that, like the. Um, I didn't take that one down. I had one where um, I have had to take a couple of down, unfortunately. But yeah, I had worked in politics when I was in college. And unfortunately, I worked for some very spoiled, <laughs> terrible people and uh, who come from what we call uh, it's like legacy money. It's oh. uh, family wealth. Yeah. So these are people who didn't work for it. They just kind of came upon it. And uh, I didn't mention their names or anything, um, but I did go into very brief detail of what it was like to work for them and how spoiled they were and just how terrible of an experience it was <laughs> and like the mentality of the rich, the, the ultra wealthy, yeah. you know, and the difference between them and Elon Musk and kind of, and everybody says that he's old money, but it's not the same as this. No. Um, and there's a big difference between tech money, people who create apps and they come across millions of dollars suddenly. And this family money that's yeah. been around for generations and the difference between how they behave um so it should still be up unless i think i was i think it was the one about like um sexual experience or like a dominance <laughs> oh, one yeah. that one yeah yeah that one they took down which was yeah that was, that was funny oh. as hell because yeah I, it's like <laughs> i didn't mention anybody's names no. and i didn't mention the job itself i was very vague and yet somehow tiktok was like you're talking about dom work and i'm like yeah. yes <laughs> yes i am <laughs> yeah, so, yeah well, they took that I'll, I'll touch about it in a little bit but that's not what your tiktok like your content is about because your no. Content, no 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 your content is about uh mostly science and yeah. uh you talk about survival but aside yes. from making content on TikTok, you're also a singer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. There's a lot going on. That's a lot going on. But that's makes a very, very unique combo in a in a person, which that's why I reached out and I hope to, to make this conversation. So let's let's start with something that I really got intrigued by, and that's the survival, because you talked about how your yeah. parents are the ones who kind of are literally pushed you into the world literally and yeah so i'll talk about i would like to ask you from the perspective of the connection to earth because in these days a lot of people when they travel or when they go their to their daily lives they're not as connected because if shit, if shit goes south no one will know what to do people don't grow their own food people deliver get their 
uh, food delivered. They bear, like not people, not a lot of people are cooking. Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of people are cooking where people go camping, they go glamping. They don't know how to actually mm. like go and do uh, actual camp and like how to survive in the nature. And this, I feel like this disconnect is really affecting our ability to live in this world and, and kind of we live in a sort of a bubble so how was it like for you when you grow up to be right there right like hands-on experiencing earth well it was very different for me compared to the friends that i grew up with because i was born in new jersey so i spent my younger years living a city life mm -hmm. and then 9 11 happened and my parents turned into doomsday prophets and they were like the end of the world's coming we need to learn how to survive in the woods i'm not even joking nine months later we were in northern New Hampshire near the Canadian border, living in a forest that's just like inconceivably massive and very isolated. Nobody's there. So when I moved there, it was all very new to me. It was a culture shock because I had come from a city. So my friends, they appreciated the environment and, and how to survive in the wild and everything they'd been taught through school and their families. But for me, <laughs> who had never seen that stuff before i just jumped into it i came alive i was like oh, this is the coolest thing ever and i learned <laughs> i mean i i know a lot more than most of my friends just because of how hardcore i went i was like i need to learn this stuff right now <laughs> you know um so it was really i think i appreciated it more than my friends because of that because i knew what it could be like and they still live there so they don't even really a lot of them don't have a full concept of what the rest of the world is like because they're so isolated in the mountains still. It's pretty insane. Damn. Yeah. I mean, like I saw those those shows on National Geographic and Discovery when they were doing like a, about the doomsday families that have like a bunker yes. bunker under yeah. the house and they, they yep. teach the kids how to bow hunt and how to kind of assemble a, a motor out of nothing. And yep. so <laughs> is that like, kind of describe some of it. Yeah, some of it. It depends. I mean, again, I you know, I had friends. This is the early 2000s, so mm -hmm. we had technology just didn't work great. I had friends who didn't know how to do anything and yet lived in that environment. Couldn't build a fire, they didn't care, but most of my friends, yeah, were pretty hardcore. Um my parents were definitely more on the extreme end of things. Like we didn't have a heating system. This is one of the coldest regions in North America. Mm -hmm. And uh so we had to build a fire every night. Whoa. Every night for eight to nine months, because that's about how long the winters were back then. Um, and the first, just to give you a little tidbit of how my parents did not fully understand how much we didn't know, because my parents know a lot more than we did growing up, because they did all the work, right? Yeah. But then when I was about 15, my dad was like, okay, that's enough. They don't know enough. We need to teach them even more. Uh, they went away on a conference. They both work at a hospital. And they were like, you know, I'm the oldest, so you're in charge of the fire. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Never, never made a fire that had to last eight hours. Cause that's the trick, right? You can build a fire, but to build a fire that lasts for eight hours without your intervention. So you can sleep is yeah. way more difficult. You have to have the embers have to be just right. And it has to be stacked just right. And so I couldn't figure it out. And I was just burning through wood. I must've gone, <laughs> Oh my God. I went through like probably two weeks worth of wood in one night because I didn't oh, know what I was doing. Boy. I was just like, yeah, just it was over oxygenated, I guess. I was just I had the dial turned up or I don't know. And uh my dad came back, he was pissed because we went through all the wood. 
Um, but my sisters were so little, they couldn't do it. And he was like, you're going to do this with me every night for like weeks. I would just sit there and watch him build this fire. And then I would build it and he would like critique everything I was doing. And this is just a fire. This isn't even like any of the extreme stuff, like hunting or navigation or anything outside. This is just our, our typical night yeah. of building a fire was just so difficult. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. So it depends on what it is. And I didn't have a lot of friends who hunted, um, but I had some who were really hardcore about it. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't like gun hunting because the, like, especially big game, they have more time to react yeah. because of the noise. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> um, and I just don't like the noise myself. I don't like how it reverberates through the forest. I don't know. Something about it just bothers me. So I learned traditional bow hunting, which is the, uh, you know, the old school, wooden i would say that i i the proper way i listen like i'll i listen to joe rogan from time to time and like he's a big fan of uh hunting and uh it kind of and it kind of kind of like made me think about how people like about also shooting versus bow hunting and actually procuring your own food because there's a lot of things that go around right now with the with the industrious meat uh, the meat industry that, Ugh, yeah, yeah. So people basically just getting a small portion of the actual cow, and while uh, other parts in the world where they hunt or grow their own uh, food, they actually utilize every single piece of the 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 animal they they hunt. So they kind of they pay their respects in terms of they utilizing everything, and nothing is getting thrown away. Yes. So, so that's yeah, yeah. We, we try to, it depends again. I mean, not everybody's the exact same, even where I'm from, but, um, generally the rule was if you were, I don't know, out in your yard, when I say yard, I mean like 500 acres of your own property (laughs) or whatever, and you find a game that somebody got and it's just a mess and they only took what they wanted. You would alert fishing game, which is basically like our version of the cops, (laughs) except for the wilderness, they monitor everything they're the ones that you're worried about. You don't think about cops. You think about fish and game. <laughs> um, and it's, it's frowned upon to yeah. leave a mess and to not use everything. And, and there are restrictions on how much game you can hunt. I mean, I know people who've only been able to have one, maybe two big game a year. Um, so they definitely save everything and of use course. everything, you know, maybe not the like things like using the bladder as like a water bottle. I mean, obviously like in today's day and age, we're probably not going to save yeah. the bladder because we have water bottles, but we are taught how to use almost everything. Is there like is nice. uh, something I know about bears that you can have to hunt the whole bear or something because it has like a particular part that people try to hunt either the gold bladder or something. Um, um I don't know about, and I don't know if that's black bears. I mean, maybe I'm not really sure. I had no interest in hunting bears. Yeah. They scare the shit out of me. Actually, <laughs> bears, bears are like the thing that I truly fear in the world because they're smart. They can run, they can swim, they can climb. They're if fast. a bear is coming for you. Yeah. You, you're going to die if a bear is coming for you. Yeah. So I, I avoid them. Like the play. If I'm a bear like, is coming nope. for you and you're in, have anywhere to go, you're fucked. That's it. There's, you need to be helicopter. Just now. like pray you're like you know? Leo DiCaprio and like, uh, and like yeah. you survived oh, uh, that shit. God, what was that movie called? The yeah, Reverend. it's basically I was gonna call it The Shining. And I was like, that's not it. <laughs> that's the wrong movie. No. Uh, but yeah, like when I was watching that scene, I was like, yes, 
that is my yeah. nightmare is just a bear. So I don't know anything about bears. And the other thing that people do like though, is uh moose antlers and deer antler because they, they fall off. So yeah. you don't have to hunt for that. So actually um, people make a pre-workout from them. Actually, I think it's, really? yeah, they used to make, used to make, I think they were, uh, they, it's uh, forbidden now or something by the FDA. Cause they used to, they used to be something, you know, I remember from co in college, they used to drink something called bucked up or something like that. That has like a, what? yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, like oh something I'll, I'll find it. I'll send it. I'll send it to you when they, um, they had moose antlers inside the, in the mix of the, of the powder. It's supposed to kind of amp you I up. Mean, it it I don't wouldn't, know. I don't even know if it would taste like anything, like or I don't, what it would no, do. No, I tried it. It didn't taste like anything, like raspberry, because of the flavor they add to it. But I don't know. I didn't. I guess. That's ate. weird. <laughs> Dude, people will eat all sorts of shit, hoping that's like an instant cure, you know? And it's like, mm, no, probably not. Yeah, you have all probably those like work. bullshit rhino horns and stuff like that that people kind of. But yeah. but that's like a whole different story. But what I'm aiming for is like, how is it for you? Because now you are uh in the city but yeah <laughs> yeah in, in the city um, yeah but how is it for you coming from your from your childhood of growing up in the wilderness uh, versus the disconnect of what we have right now uh it's a very difficult adjustment i think that's why i'm drawn to people who are in the military or have you know traveled a lot or even gone to war because it's like it's I can't not see the bubble that everybody lives in and how it doesn't make any sense to me really. And these people have never, not all of them, I shouldn't say, but a, a lot of the people in my group anyway, are people who've never had a fight for anything in mm -hmm. any shape or form. And granted, most of my battles were man versus nature. Um, and nature can really suck. I, I, and I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, because they go to national parks where there's always some form of safety. I mean, search and rescue is always around. Um, there's huts, there's the local rangers. And then, you know, when you live in it, no one's going to help you. No one's coming for you. And you realize the difference between being safe and being a hair's breadth away from death is like a couple of seconds. And it could be the stupidest thing you didn't even see coming. So I'm always on my guard and I'm always, um, even when I go to national parks, I'm always paying attention and going on even camping trips with people from here is really infuriating because it's like they complain that there's no running water. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there isn't. I, I remember just trying to get under one of my friend's skin. We were at a we were at a vegetarian or a vegan restaurant or something. I don't really remember. And um, I had cracked this joke that the first animal I ever skinned was a cat, <laughs> which it was. She had like a mental breakdown. She was like, why would you skin a cat? And I'm like, well, we had a lot of them. And that was how my school taught. It was with, you know, stray cats that had died or we got from the veterinarian clinic. I don't know. We all learned on cats. <laughs> and she just did not cope with that. And I'm like, where do you think meat comes from? Where, how do you think that whole process works? How do you think their lives are miserable? You know, the animals that we raised had a completely different life. They had acres and acres of open land and we we didn't kill them until past their maturity yeah. you know now all animals are killed like when they're little babies and like calves and like yeah yeah and and even going to the store to get a chicken and people think like an eight pound chicken's big and i'm like that's not big that's a baby it should be over 15 pounds like ours were massive you know and it's just there's a lot of disconnect i don't think a lot of people really know how 
their food works, how their water works, um, how shelter actually works and the difference it makes, like the homeless situation we have here really guts into me because I know what it's like to sleep out in nature, even though this is Los Angeles and it's sunny every day, yeah. we still have insane heat and it kills so easily. And people really have no concept of that drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, bad. Because, because you get like, I feel like everything in life comes in layers. So you like, you started in like almost at the, t the bottom layer, like, in not in a yeah. bad way but in the sense like you get to experience all the all the the levels of living the this the most the most simple way of yeah. not the simple way of life but just like the 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 bare the bare uh definition of living yeah so yeah off of the bare minimum <laughs> yeah so from the yeah. bare minimum to the 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 privileges of living in a city so yes. i feel like and and you you can see through the bullshit and you can see how people are kind of a lot of problems could be solved if people just get out in the woods and kind of like couple. it's so much more than that it's about being in bad situations and that's the thing too it's like sometimes i have these moments where i sink into these kind of depressive pits where i'm just so upset by you know, the worst part about your day is your latte was made wrong. It's, I don't know. It, it really drives me crazy. Um, but at the same time, it's like almost not their fault because they really yeah. are so isolated and have no idea. And like, how can you be mad at somebody who truly has no concept of, and, and sure I, I could take them out. Actually, this is becoming popular. So my boss told me about this. Apparently there's this company that takes mostly men who are having their midlife crisis and they want to learn survival skills. And this is all out of Los Angeles, right? And they go up into the Sierra Nevadas for, I don't know, a few weeks, I guess. And um, they're taught how to do basic survival skills. And the thing that bothers me about that is it's their midlife crisis. It's a little too late, um, honestly, because yeah. their mentality is not going to change. And those skills are something you lose. I mean, I've lost a lot of my outdoor skills, for sure. It would take a long time. Like one of my friends was talking about going back to the mountains and going away for a few weeks. And I was like, I don't think I could feel dress anymore. I think I would mess it up. Like I would need somebody with me who's actively still doing this. And so people don't understand that <laughs> even if you watch man versus wild and you go on these trips and you think you're learning this stuff, you're not, you have to be in it for years to really learn it. I mean, I have forgotten so much. How do you think you're going to do after what, two weeks, you know, spare me. It's no, not going to be enough. Not, it's not that simple at all. I'm sure no. you have to yeah. like, it's, it's like with everything you have to practice it and kind of constantly, constantly live this to, in order to be able to perform in those kind of environments. Yeah. It's a daily thing yeah. and everything's always changing too. I mean, nature's the weather is your biggest enemy, at least where I grew up, not in the yeah. Los Angeles, but, um, and predicting that is so difficult when's it going to rain when's it going to snow when's it going to be windy like those are critical elements to being out there and it's definitely los angeles has no weather no so it has guys, like one weather <laughs> yeah they see a cloud and they're like what's going to happen oh boy <laughs> it's like oh god yeah so it's it's definitely been a huge life change and i definitely have moments where i want to go back but i think that part of my life is over so <laughs> now i just talk about it <laughs> do you think that uh, I mean, how would you, how would you 
make it accessible to people to understand that their life is not this is a bubble where they kind of lost touch because previous generations, I would say way back, way back before like the industrial revolution, they were more kind of adapt mm -hmm. to the nature. They could, yeah. they could, they had better understanding of their survive of their environment. So they could say, okay, today is going to, it's going to rain in about so and so like they could, they could say, oh, we go in North, we go in South and they didn't have I, like some had maps, but people knew how to navigate. People knew how to yeah. to look at nature and discern. Okay, this is cause like so I, if I'm not mistaken, when you can look in the mountain and see where the trees grow, you can tell like, oh, this is the sunny part, or this is the south, this is north. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't exact, I don't remember exactly. That's like from a little bit that I was taught during my service, um, but. Yeah, so we lost it. Now we like, oh shit! Like Google app, like Google Maps is not working. Which, which way should I go? Yeah, it's it's what I always tell people is that they have no concept of their vulnerability anymore. And yeah. there's this almost uh, like immortal concept that you have. Oh, I'm gonna die in my late 80s or my early 90s, and like, what could possibly come and get me? And they're kind of right, right? Yeah, because right now we. Right now, because we take cars and we live in houses and everything is is managed and monitored and, and they're right. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know, not to sound like a doomsday prophet, but this probably isn't going to last forever. Yeah. You know, nothing ever does. How, so how, how would how would you like you do your content to kind of give a glimpse into this world or kind of put the seed to to go and explore? But how would you? open their people's eyes into okay you're not you don't you're not as sheltered as you think you are like you're probably like try like you could do this yeah um i it's different i mean to be more connected I, to what's like to the to down and dirty to get down and like really see what the earth for what it is well, the biggest challenge is that people don't want to do that. A lot of people don't. They think they do. That's the tricky part. They watch, you know, survival shows and Bear Grylls and Man vs. Wild and all this stuff. And they think, oh, I can do that. I want, you know, and it's like, no, <laughs> I bet after two days, you'd be, you'd be tapped out. You'd be like enough of this. So yeah. ideally, I mean, you start when they're kids like we did, where they have no kids have no concept of anything except for what you show them. So if you bring them into these survival environments or even like camping trips every summer or something like that, that has a profound effect on a person's understanding of their place in the world, in nature. Um, and there's programs like that all over the place. The youngest that I think we started at was eight years old. My parents were throwing me into these like survival camps up in Northern New York and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so they definitely have them. But when you start getting to, and teenagers, I would say, actually are still pretty, um, pretty sensitive to that. Yeah, yeah, still pretty sensitive to that information. And like, um, you could take a 16 year old, I think, who's a maybe like a spoiled brat, and you could change them pretty quickly. I think they have a show for that. Uh, it takes place in Arizona. We were just watching it. They take these spoiled rich kids, <laughs> and these two ex military guys run this survival camp, and um, they're like 18, 19 year old kids, and they they like learn about i don't know it, it was a very cool it was a very cool concept and the kids change fast because they're yeah. young but if we're talking like you know late 20s 30s 40s now it becomes really difficult because they know what comfort really is in a yeah. way that teenagers and children don't 
Um, and all they're going to think about is, oh, that burger that I, <laughs> you know, that I've been eating for 10 years that I love, or, um, you know, like, oh man, it would be nice to have dry socks right now. Whereas a kid's probably just going to power through. And, yeah. I feel like, know, I feel like, tough. like, like what you said about like the worst that happened is like the latte came out wrong. <laughs> I feel yeah, like exactly. when, when you are out in the will in the wilderness, there is no much, not much time for depression or anxiety. Yeah. Like you have to yep. go, like there's not much time to have those, this inner dialogue of like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen. It's like, okay, where do I get my food? Where do I, how, how do I maintain the fire? How do I maintain my clothes dry and that's like doesn't don't leave much time that doesn't leave much time for oh my god what the people are going to think of me so yeah i mean it depends though right because um most of any trips that i've gone on um there's a lot there is a lot of downtime uh and it's always right before bed uh so it's like because you have to set up camp during the day yeah. right and then you go to bed when the sun goes down, but if it's the summer, that sun's not going down for a while. So, uh, you know, you could be sitting around for three or four hours. And it's funny because one of the things that I tell people to get used to is the boredom, yeah. um, because you don't have cell phone reception in a lot of these places and, uh, you only have each other. So I, I have noticed that people do get trapped in their own heads a lot around that time. But whereas kids have all this energy and they would play games or run around or whatever it is, they find entertainment. 30 plus year olds, they kind of just sit there and they're not having a good time. So it's, yeah. it is, I don't even know how I would show them how, because if you're there, you probably already know that it's going to be hard. You've emotionally prepared yourself yeah. and maybe you're just suffering right now, but to people on TikTok or um, Instagram, how to get them into it, nah, they're not, they're not going to. Right. They just want to learn about it from a third perspective, third person point of view and just stay out of it, really. I feel you. But I guess that's like those moments where you say like the, a lot of the downtime, it's where the true connection happens. Like those those difficult yeah. times when you spend together, like you hike, hike through the woods or like there is like a, a steep climb or whatever. And there is like a situation you need to you need like a special attention and people go through it together and like, wow, like that was awesome. Let's talk about it. Let's share an experience. And like, how did you yeah. go through it? And then people kind of share their thoughts and share their feelings. And like the layers are peeling away and you get to kind of see who the people are truly are. It, yeah. It's supposed to be like that. I think Hopefully. it depends on the group. Most but... of, I guess most, I guess in, in a, when it's like not in a controlled environment, but like people get to open up yeah. because there is nothing else to do. Just like you have to talk. <laughs> Otherwise, you get Literally. lost. You get lost in your head, or because like, well, what's his name? Um, the writer who went into a cabin in the woods. So, uh, in Alaska. I don't. Know, I don't know if it's David Thoreau. I think. Oh, David Thoreau. Yeah. Oh, you mean like from like the eighteen hundreds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. He just like see uh, like out of out in the woods and just writing his book also matthew mcconaughey does that really yeah he he told how he wrote his book he 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 told his wife like i'm out and she's like yeah go do it and he just like see ya i don't know i don't know if it would be as inspiring as walden no probably whatever. no but he like what's his name of the book green lights and like he he has some some pearls of knowledge i mean oh really okay yeah no he he i'd say outside of like uh from the he got i have the 
best impression like not impression but he made the best impression on me because he kind of speaks to the point when like when i saw his speech on the oscars or something he mm. actually like gave like an actual proper inspiring speech and not just like like go do- save the dolphins or the whales or stop like <laughs> yeah like he something he, with substance he i don't know maybe it's his saturn saturn uh, upbringing kind of <laughs> but like he was on the point he he did talk to to he talked right on the on the point and he gave like some good good advice so he oh, also does that so so he did like what david thoreau did and like went to the woods and thoreau just wrote because there is nothing else to do have yeah. you ever read it uh, I, I think to, it's called walden yeah I, I read it i had to read it part of my english honors class and i hated every single moment of it <laughs> to me too <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh but it's mostly because of my my professor um but because i had a different professor who was awesome who was literally awesome i i thought this guy was like out of this world he was so all over the place but the next professor the next semester like it didn't work so thorough then oh, just like clever. went went right over my head which is kind of like a great segment like a segue to talk about your your uh passion to science and you yeah. talk about math and science and you have a lot of you have a lot of videos about like for example about the one i really liked is uh the matthew mcconaughey one with your parallel universes yeah a spider-man yeah. versus uh, Spider-Man versus uh, Interstellar. Yeah. So how how from I mean, people who think like I grew up in the woods equals <laughs> sometimes equals like hilly billy no education. But what how no. how did you get in so deep into this world? I'm very lucky that even though this was the middle of nowhere, New England has which is you know New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut. They have great education. So the public school education system in New England is pretty good, depending on where you are and where I was. It's like one of the top schools. It was one of the top schools in New Hampshire. And I think New Hampshire was number one mm-hmm. while I was in high school. So this is like legitimately a fantastic public school. And um, I wasn't the best math student. This is what my physics teacher used to always say. He's like, you're not the best math student, but you're the most enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, so I, I pursued math. Well, I, I went to school for accounting first and I hated it because I just wanted to make money because I was tired of being a poor kid from the woods. Um, and then I changed to mathematics. So my, my background's not in science, it's in math. But the nice thing about understanding math is any complex scientific system that I look at, if I can break it down to the math, then I understand it. So it's basically like speaking the language of all these STEM fields, um, which is why I'm glad I did it. But the dimension thing, I would say that my primary gift in life is not the science or the math, because like my physics teacher said, I'm not the best by any means. Um, I think what I'm the best at is knowing what people are not going to understand when I look at something really complex and I know what points someone's going to be like, yeah, I don't get it. I'm tapping out. This is too difficult for me. This is, you know, why do I want to understand fifth dimensional space? I went to school for business, you know, <laughs> they, they underestimate themselves and, and they lose interest because it's so intimidating and it's really, really smart. Pe- Cause I went to school with really, really smart people. They like to be intimidating because it's their one time to shine. You know, yeah. it's like, finally, you know, these, these 
I guess not to sound cliche, but math and science and computer nerds can finally have their moment. Um, and they, not all the time, but a lot of times they purposely make it difficult to understand. And I wasn't having that shit. So I was like, <laughs> I know when it comes to dimensions, the biggest co- problem for people to understand, and this is even for like astrophysicists and mathematicians who study this, is visualizing it. Yeah. That's the hardest part of it because you can't see it. So no. how do you visualize something that you can't, you can't see? And it's like, you don't, I, I break it down to this, to literally such a stupid level that people can understand it like a book, right? And each page is a different point in time. Think about when you read a book, you can flip it open at any time, read that page. And that time frame that you're reading is so real to those characters in that moment. But then you can go forward 50 pages and it's instantaneously just as real, yeah, just as fast. And I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is the best example I had. Is it entirely accurate? No, not at all. But this is how people can understand it. And we'll make it more difficult later. Yeah. We'll, we'll, make, we'll dive into the details later. But right now, this is what, what's important. Can someone visualize it even on a small, seemingly inaccurate scale, but actually good enough? Yeah, that's what people say about, like, I, I, people used to say about um, quantum mechanics is because we so used to think in the simple physics that we yeah. were not used to think in the quantum, for, in the quantum perspective. So we cannot really make uh predictions or progress about this field because we don't develop this thinking so you said it yeah. like you i i i have like part of like i researched you a little bit so i went through the tiktok it sounds like i know it sounds so weird but no, a lot of people do it i totally get it you do your homework you know yeah so part of your uh when you spoke about the arrival um uh, video when you said at the end we need to kind of think uh implement some relativity into our linguistics so we could yeah. be able to understand and have a kind of the concept develop the concept of thinking in in the relativity from the relativity's uh, point of view so yes so that's like that's a great way to to kind of prepare the future generations to kind of grow into the world where they speak kind of quantum or they speak and because quantum physics is getting into our lives for through quantum computing so like people are really working very hard to integrate this technology into our lives which i'm i learned a little bit i kind of understand how is it work how it's working and, but I still cannot see how I, I can see from just from the cybersecurity standpoint, why is it beneficial? Because the coding is going to be the, the, the encoding is going to be super hard to, 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 to break, but then, yeah. but then how do you explain to simple people what, uh, what a superposition is or all those things? Yeah. I generally, I avoid the technical terms because I think people just get immediately, like I made a video that was basically about chaos theory, but I didn't say chaos theory. And I, I, I only do that because I know how intimidated people are going to get by things. Um, and it's funny because it's the, my issue with quantum is that I think a lot of people throw that word around whenever they're talking about something yeah. that's difficult to understand, but like even people who study this don't fully understand it. Like, I, I think that sometimes people sit back and they assume like, oh, you know, these engineers, these mathematicians, they know what they're doing. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, when it comes to quantum, like we don't know much. And if we do build true quantum computers, 
because there's two. I have a I have a lot of uh, this was always a debate in school on if it's truly a quantum computer or not. And in my opinion, they're not really right now. They're close, but they're not truly quantum computers. Um, but even if we were able to build something like that, nobody would know how they worked. It'd be like a hundred people. It, yeah. It's like the Coca-Cola recipe. You know <laughs> what I mean? It would be like this, this kept secret that only certain companies would want because think about it. It's America's capitalism and America, uh, would probably be one of the countries that really jumped in on this, or at least American investors would be. Yeah. Um, and whatever company figures it out, they're not going to tell it. I really believe they're not going to tell anybody. So it's, it's, it's really the whole quantum situation is really tricky. I don't know if it's even possible for us to build a true, true, true quantum computer. Um, and if we did, if, if that knowledge would even be shared, you know? Yeah. Well, like you said, someone probably put a patent on it and then start selling it around the world. Just, yeah. I, especially if it's a device, yeah. it would be different if it was like an equation, you know, that would be easier to steal, I guess. But yeah. a, a device yeah the u.s government could easily protect that and you could just put it in a vault and no one would ever see it again so i mean I yeah there's like the whole the whole re-emergence of the of the electric cars because electric cars were yeah in in existence in the early 90s and then like the, someone put the put the lid on it because they didn't want to to mess up with the oil industry i guess that's yeah. one of the that's one of the biggest uh arguments that like the reason they killed the the electric cars then back then is because well there's a lot of oil we need to sell it we need to make money and now yeah oil is running out in most places and we're almost at the at the limit of how much we can uh what's the term for it i forgot no it's not the it's not the right term that i thought about when they like explode the, the well and just like pump it out but we're almost at the limit <laughs> demolish <No. laughs> yeah i don't know there is like a, a, a funny if i'm not a funny name to it that's just like a name when they just like i don't know fracking under, fracking yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah, yeah. okay yeah yeah that's the word so yeah we're we're at the limit of how much we can like take from the earth before we, before we make a irreversible damage so now they're kind of pushing out the yeah green green agenda to make it's, money it's really frustrating because we have the technology to not need any of this stuff you know and to like live a quote-unquote clean yeah. kind of world like we do have the technology to do it and and the resources it's just they're not being allocated to make that happen 100%. because there's no profit in that so you know i get it from a business standpoint but from like a person standpoint it's like yeah. this there's no there's no long-term plan to this and you're dooming us all so there's like there's a very funny TikTok. Uh, actually uh, there's a funny TikTok of like uh saying a guy invented a car based um car like a car uh, a water-based car and then like the no, next no kidding. the next frame is like the cia comes in <laughs> Yeah, they're like, no, 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 you nah, didn't. No, you didn't. There's a story. Yeah. There's a story about a father. I don't know. I cannot find it anywhere. I actually didn't try to find it, but there is a story about a father who um, took uh, learned from his uh, chemistry from his kid. He was like, uh, he didn't have a, a proper education. So he started learning chemistry with his kid through his kid, and they built, uh, and they they built a, a water based uh, motorcycle. 
that yeah what? somewhere somewhere i don't know if it's in africa or brazil or south america something like that yeah so they actually built a, a water-based engine to to Whoa. get to to drive around i need to find it i'll try to find it if i can if i'll find it i'll send it to you is it salt water or fresh water i think it was fresh water like they would get it from okay. a, from a pond and then just like dump it into their their tank and then just run on <gasps> oh. water Oh, that would be a game changer. Yeah, that would like they tried with hydrogen, but that's kind of like I mean, they learned from Hindenburg that it's like uh, Yeah. That's not I know vegetable oil in the early nineteen hundreds was talked about. They're as still kind of doing it. Yeah. It's just the the best is wind, sun, things that, you know, Abundant. you don't have to worry about. Yeah, 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 yeah. that are everywhere. Yeah. You know, they're wind simple is to literally get. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's the future, but you know. So how, so for you, what, what really drew you into the world of the STEM field? I don't know. You know, it's funny because I wasn't very good at it, you know? Um, I mean, I'll get, again, compared to like the average person, obviously yeah. I'm very good at it. Um, you know, and I went to grad school and did the, that whole shebang, but compared to my classmates, no, I was definitely not the best. I think I always just wanted to figure out the problems that nobody else had because I have a different approach to things. And what really, really sucked me into mathematics actually was the dimensional math. Um, computer engineers use what I guess you would consider fourth dimensional math. Um, it's really hard because you have the physical kind, which is what interstellar is. And, you know, and you're like seeing somebody go through like a higher dimension, but then you have like the mathematical kind, yeah. which isn't, they're not exactly the same thing, but they are, it's, it's a little confusing, but, um, the problem is that a lot of our mathematics isn't consistent in higher dimensions. And my theory is that earth is over. <laughs> I mean, not to sound like a doomsday prophet, but like earth's not going to make it at this point. I mean, it will, once humans are eradicated, it'll like rebirth itself. Like it always does. But earth as we know, it is definitely not going to endure. Um, and ever since I was 16 years old, I was like, you can't travel anywhere. Um, even at the speed of light, it takes too, too long, yeah. hundreds of thousands of years to get to a habitable planet. If there are any for us, um, that have just the right proportion of nitrogen and oxygen. I was like, the only thing we really can do is to build a wormhole, which are theoretical. No one's even sure if they're real to kind of fold um, gravity basically. Yeah. And create a kind of doorway of yeah. some kind. I was like, that's going to be the only way out of here is to break time and space because we can't travel through traditional means. But the problem is that our math for it isn't complete. <laughs> and what we do have, in my opinion, and honestly is inaccurate. The video that I posted on the higher dimensional math falling apart for certain things, it were, there were people who were like trying to argue with me as if they have math degrees. And I'm like, do you even know what I'm talking about though? <laughs> like, I'm down for some of these people arguing with me because there were mathematicians who were, they knew their stuff and I knew what they were arguing and they had valid points. Um, but our math isn't entirely right. So I always thought that since I care more about dimensional travel, not so much mathematics, I was coming in at it from a different angle and maybe I could help solve this problem. Cause even if I fix only one equation, which was surface area, that was mm -hmm. where my interest and in my thesis was on. Um, if I could even fix that one problem that might create, you know, a series of events where other people also see, Oh yeah, we need to fix this or we'll never be able to create a man-made wormhole, which is science. That's more not my field. 
on how to do that. There's radiation issues, gravitational pull issues, all the stuff I don't know anything about. But you can't pinpoint where you want to go and how you want to get there if you don't know the shape of things (laughs) inside what you're traveling through, right? Because you could hit them or (laughs) whatever it is, you know? And so I think that was really my interest was realizing that the earth is dying, um, which I think is something you really sense when you live in these environments. Every year is different than the year before in a bad way. Um, The moment I think for me was when we never had ticks. Um, we had mosquitoes, but there was a season for them and then they all died because it was just too cold, right? Because this is such a cold climate and none of the wildlife in my region was adapted to ticks, which, you know, they're bloodsuckers and they carry disease and they can kill you. My dad ended up getting Lyme's disease because of a tick, which again, they're not supposed to exist. And, um, we never had them. And then I think my junior year of high school, they were everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And they were sucking moose dry to death. They were being literally, it was like vampires. They were just, you would find these, these corpses of these moose that are just completely sucked dry by ticks. It's terrifying. And it's never been the same ever since. And we've had ticks every year because it's just not cold enough and the wildlife isn't used to it. Uh, so they're dying and they're getting diseases and, and, um, I don't know. It's just one of the, one of a thousand things that made me think like, Whatever we're doing, it's not going to get better. Yeah, It will change, but maybe not for the best for us. So we need to get out of here. <laughs> you I know? mean, that's but like, now- that's like part of a lack of connection to, to what's like, what's going on on the actual level when people yeah. see, see like, uh, think they know about earth because they saw something on national geographic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's different to live it, you know, yeah. you can see it on TV, but then you come across like a, I forget how moose weigh. It's like twelve hundred pounds or something insane. They're and it's big. Just, they're massive. They're massive. massive creatures. They're bigger than horses, you know. And they're, then it's like they're huge. Yeah, and, they're, and they have no blood, and they're stuck yeah. dry, and they're gone, and they've only there been dead like, for like a few hours. You know, we know when people actually started caring about ticks. It was like I think three years ago when there was the lone uh, the lone star tick starting to spread out out of. Uh, across america have you heard about I it don't, it's a no. tick it's a tick that if it bites you you you're not able to eat meat what yeah that is the weird like like from a biological standpoint look it evolution, up why would it as mother I have nature no why idea. would i create that i have <laughs> no so freaking clue maybe it's like out of la the vegans are trying to get revenge i don't know Maybe it's manufactured, uh, manufactured in like Beverly Hills home. Wait, so you, you can't eat meat or you don't want to? No, I think you become sort of allergic to meat. Like you be, oh. you develop an an uh, a reaction to eat like to the protein of of meat within meat. And it has to do with the blood, I'm sure. I guess or something. I haven't really dive into it, but that's like was like a big scare because it because. God. Yeah, because it, it and it's called a Lone Star because it has like a Texas-shaped uh, patch on its back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So and it's I hate they're, ticks. Yeah, they're they're horrible. They're horrible. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, that's be- I think people because they lose touch with what's going on on the on the surface level that they cannot really appreciate what the the damage or of what what's what's happening. And you even can, in high school, we would say that, yeah. You could say it about pretty much everything. When people lose touch, uh, when people live in a bubble and they lose touch about how things are going on the very basic level of of things, then 
it's a it's a recipe for disaster like you said like you started with the ultra rich or people who come for money and yeah. they have no concept of what's norm like some some of them have no concept of how it's like to live a normal life to struggle for for how to go to get your, your first job or or yeah. work at, work in mcdonald's or car washing or lemonade stand or whatever it is that you need to kind of save for your uh favorite bike or whatever you want to buy or right now so yeah. what so when that happens is when uh people would start to playing with people's lives and then like okay like i'm they're become desensitized so that's yes so that's yes. why i for me like i do this to to get people to kind of listen and kind of maybe maybe something will stay and something like will resonate with them and they kind of that's i'm trying to kind of break apart this concept of connection so they could appreciate the things that they have in life or kind of go a few layers deeper to to and with a connection that they have so yeah because then then from that place then you can create something really meaningful really appreciate what's going on in your life yeah i mean i like i do agree with all of that the only thing that i always think is the problem is the appreciation aspect of it because i think it's great if you're wealthy and you've had all the resources you could possibly have need your entire life. The problem is appreciating it is just not enough. And in my view, you just shouldn't have it. <laughs> like there was one guy that came to my school who he was talking about how he was paid $600,000 for each consulting job he was on. And this is like a one or two day gig. And he would say to us, I have more money than I can spend. He's like, my kids each have a car. Oh, you know, I have three cars. We have all these houses. We have condos. I don't know what else I could possibly do with my money. Even if I live for 300 years, I will never be able to spend it all. But I still ask for 600 grand because I'm worth it. And I know that I can get it. And I have never stopped thinking about this guy and how he has more money than he can spend. And that's when it comes into, well... It's great that you appreciate it and you value it, but you shouldn't have that then. Because if you have it, that means someone else, it was taken from them because that's how, that's how limited resources work. If you have too much, that means someone else has too little. And I've never been satisfied by, you should appreciate what you have. It's like, mm, you should give it away. <laughs> I mean, at some point, like, uh, who does it? Bill Gates did it. I think he just 99%, yeah. 99% of his wealth, he just like puts back into society. So, I mean, I'd like to see the accounting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, like, that's what they <laughs> say. At least, yeah. at least like the, like, at yeah. least the, the notion is the, the right direction. So, I mean, yes. maybe take people like that who kind of charge like 600,000 for a consulting <laughs> gig. For yeah. for a couple of weeks on nature, so they could like, oh shit, like that's what's going on. Like maybe we can put some money into yeah. that. I feel like they would feel more compelled to give it to people who actually need it if they understood what was actually going on in the world. Yeah, because again, I, it's it's that bubble effect. It's you know you get so caught up in greed, I think, and the competition of it all. And he's asking for six hundred grand because he knows he can get it, and I like that. I love the hustle, but. You know, at the same time, I don't think I could live with it. I think that I would feel guilty and I feel guilty anyway. I mean, I don't, I don't do that well. And I walk down the street and see homeless people and it guts me, you know what I mean? And yeah. like one of my friends is always getting them food, always, always giving them cigarettes or money or whatever they ask for, you know, because it's just like, I've been there, bro. Like, 
I know what that's like. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't have, I'm not saying I have a solution for it. I don't understand world economics to that scale, but yeah, I do know what we're doing isn't working. That's all I know. Pretty much. I, I I'm really a proponent of kind of don't give a man a fish, but teach him how to fish. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So like we need to teach people how to fish and not just like hand out freebies because that's what make yeah. people dependent. And yeah. then they, they stay in the bubble basically. Well, everybody's in a bubble of some yeah. kind. I'm in a bubble, right? I mean, everybody yeah. technically is in a bubble of, of their own design. It's just a matter of not being comfortable with it. I think it's so important to not be comfortable. And yeah. I don't mean that in the sense of like, you don't have shelter and you don't have food. And like, obviously those things are so critical, but I feel like there should always be some kind of itch to you to want to be in motion, to be like, you know, this, this could be better. Yeah. I could work on this. And I, I think that, I mean, discomfort is what fuels survival, really. I mean, out in the woods, if you feel any sort of discomfort, it really drives you to fix that problem. And if everybody's living in their bubble and everyone's comfortable, nobody fixes anything. That's true. Ever. So I, I think that everybody needs to be uncomfortable. <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's a, actually, there's a bunch of guys that started their journey from LA with their YouTubers who are called Yes Theory, who, who, which their slogan is seek discomfort. Like they're kind of push oh, themselves. I like that. Yeah, they're very cool. Like I wish one day to meet these guys and kind of have a conversation <laughs> with them because they really kind of, they kind of, they went to, you know, Wim Hof? No. So there's a guy who, who kind of uh, showed that by exposure to cold, you can uh, overcome stress and better your life through through cold exposure and breathing techniques is he scandinavian <laughs> he's uh, I, I think so he i think he's he's originally dutch but now he lives it's always <laughs> i don't know no he has a crazy he has a crazy story he uh but he basically he uh went to mount everest but nothing but swimsuit oh my god so yeah and he ran a marathon like in a desert with no drop of water and he got exposed to e coli and basically healed himself with meditation and breathing and oh, it's mind all, over matter stuff and it's all documented so it's like scientific it's all scientifically proven how he did it and he shows that with his method so they flew all the way to his place and went underwent his training for i don't know how much time it was i think a week so he just like instead of taking him through the regular course of like slowly adapting to the stuff he just yeah all right we're going into the ice water right now <laughs> oh god we're jumping to the ice water so take a deep breath and here we go and then he like okay so now instead of like training you with a technique to to uh stay in the water for three minutes because usually you get hypothermia after a couple like uh, a minute or so yeah it's so, fast so they stayed for 10 minutes in a in Damn. a in a freezing temperature water just because it's running so it doesn't freeze so i was like almost like zero de zero oh, was like 32 degrees yeah I, uh, yeah I, under i still i still need to practice my fahrenheit versus oh, Celsius. It's so, do it, you don't even need to it's so stupid i know <laughs> i know I, I know um i really like your video about it and yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so like zero degrees Celsius, pretty much like zero degrees Celsius water, like yeah. or one or two, and they just standing mm -hmm. in there for 10 minutes. 
Probably because they couldn't feel it anymore. <laughs> they, but like he guided guided them through. So my point is like th these guys are kind of having the right notion of kind of seeking discomfort and like getting out there. Yes. And yes. But I, yet I think not a lot of people, even though they seek discomfort, if they kind of will be put into the discomfort, they will try to find a solution. Because a yeah. problem problem solving, in my opinion, after watching my the people around me and like in the in this high tech nation where where a lot of people go to work at high tech, I mean yes. high tech, I mean programming, and and a lot of people here are being turned into software engineers, basically. So the most valuable skills isn't coding, isn't uh, your creativity or whatever. It's problem solving at the end yeah. of the day. And that's why people get the big bucks when they can be able to solve the bigger problem. The bigger the problem, yes. the bigger the reward, I guess. Yeah, so, but they have to know the problem exists. True. That's like, yeah. but I, I do agree with the, the, like, you have to put yourself into discomfort in order to grow, in order to move forward. Yeah. Otherwise, you be stagnant and you stay this pretty little pony forever. Yeah, I guess. And I don't I don't think people are happy. You know, that's the irony of it is when you first seek comfort and you obtain it at first, I'm sure it's fantastic and great, but um, it has to get boring. And I think that's why you see a lot of ultra wealthy or celebrities or anybody that's on the main stage and has a lot of money. They start to kind of lose their minds a little bit. I really do think that a big piece of that is because of the lack of discomfort in Obviously, they're getting criticized all the time, so there is some emotional discomfort happening, but not not on a profound level. Not like they have everything they need. Everybody is yesing them to death. Yeah. Um. I think that slowly drives people crazy after a while. I don't think humans do well when things are too easy. I, I think we're problem solvers, as just as like living creatures, we like to solve problems and we like yeah. to be in motion. And as soon as you eliminate that, you start to lose your mind a little. Also, you know, it's like retirement. Yeah. Exactly. Also, artists. I think artists thrive on discomfort. Artists yes. like that's like a, true artists. I think, like yeah. I mean, true artists. I mean, well, I'll I'll jump into your your artistic fa facet of life oh, just in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But but I just I don't I I notice that the more the artist gets money, like money is isn't the right thing for the artist because like the best art comes when you are poor and broke and. You yeah. go through the tribulations of life, and and now when people get money and they're comfortable, they sing about what? I have too many cars and I don't know what to do with them. Yeah, they sing about pretty much. With, uh, bitches and money. I yeah, think is pretty the like phrase. the, the yeah. phrase. That's that's pretty much like what's <laughs> what's left. So, yeah. so how do you like? And from that, how I'll jump into your touch in art, which is your singer. Yes. Yeah. And but I, I would say more, my thing was more like studio work. Um, I did write my own music, but generally what I like to do the most was I was a, like kind of like a demo singer. Mm -hmm. Um, so what that is, it's when somebody writes a, an album or a song, but they're not a singer and they're not, uh, on the main stage. They just want to sell it. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're just writers basically. Um, so they hire musicians and they hire singers to perform the song. So that when they sell it to the artist, they really want to do it. The artist can listen to it and be like, oh, I like this song. I'll do my own version of it or whatever. And then that studio buys that song. So that's generally how that works. So I would always get hired to do the singing work for that. And then I was writing my own stuff on the side, 
but I, that's why I always hesitate to say like I'm a true artist. Like I don't, well, I don't I, know because I really like your work because it it's like it gives oh, me thanks. it gives me kind of like like a, how the Viking exploration vibes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. Like Celtic I mean, vibes, like, Cal- I like those that, like but, those songs yeah. that like I forgot the name for it. Like when people sing them together, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about. Like acapella? Uh, no, 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 no. There's a name for for the whole genre when like uh, um, when people just like sing a it's like a like a voyage song when just their voices. There's no music. Not a acapella. sea shanty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is actually like the sea chant. The sea chanting is like the I think Elon Musk really likes that genre too. Yeah, a lot of people do it's yeah very uh oh yeah what's the word it's very pr- primal i guess is like there's something very very uh, i guess i know piercing and authentic in those in those uh in this kind of music yeah and your music has a, a, a really has it has the same authentic vibe like it doesn't like it doesn't to it's not there to show off it's there to make you feel no. something yeah, I like telling stories. Yes, so that's why. The approach. Yeah. So, so that's why, like, you're authentic in your creation, and that's what, and you're also doing it very well. So, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it always surprises people when they hear me speak, and then they hear me sing, and they're like, "That's not the same person." And I'm like, generally, that's how it goes, especially if. Um, so I have an unusual vocal range. I'm what's considered a contralto, which is the lowest female range. Okay. And generally that's a term you only hear when you do opera or classical mm-hmm. music. Um, but I am classically trained, so it's why I think about it, I guess, and why I bring it up. Um, but contralto is generally, especially for women, when they talk, their voice is really deep. Uh, but then when they sing, they can cover a wider range. Mm. And uh, so that's why I think people get really surprised when they hear me. But it's, it's the same for men. You know, a man who has a really low singing voice can usually cover a lot more of a range mm-hmm. because of that. Um, so a lot of times when you hear a guy speak and then you hear him sing and it's like really deep, you're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so that always happens for low voices, um, which is why I was able to get the demo gigs and why I mean, anything that's in how, my career happens. I feel like that's like the the lower lower like everyone likes the higher end but the lower end yes, is where the it's where the well where the the true i guess a lot of the i guess the the necessity lies because yeah yeah you have the, I think like the, the oh, whole sorry, gen- sorry. no it's okay like the whole generation of mariah carey of the whistle notes and like uh demi mm. Lo- not demi lovato but what's her um Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande. She, she does it too. Yeah. 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 Yes. Like they try to like kind of be up there, but not yes. a lot of people are seeking the other way of of it, being yeah. in the and and I feel and actually on TikTok those are the ones who make uh, has a lot of views. I noticed of people who sing the, in low voices. The low ones are the, the low oh, voices. Yeah. 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 And that's I, yeah. It's, it's everybody wants to hear the higher because you think that's like the most impressive, I think. And it is, I mean, I can't whistle tone to save my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't do that at all. <laughs> so I totally get it. Like why it's like, you know, this golden egg that everybody's trying to grab. But, um, I do like probably because I have a lower voice, but I do like the lower voices because it feels more, um, not no ethereal is like higher, but it just feels <laughs> more like music of my ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
And I, I kind of dig that, but every time I've ever done any work, every single time, the the studio is always pushing me to sing higher. It's it's insane, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm not a soprano, I'm not even a mezzo or a real alto. Like I can't I can't do that. And there's one recording. I hope it surfaces one day because it's pure shit. Um, <laughs> they had asked me to do. It was this really cool genre of music. It was kind of like modern ska, but like really fun. All the musicians were some of the best musicians I'd ever seen. It was really musically complex and the vocal line um was it right at the top of my range but i could do it but we were like we were skating on me cracking and he was like let's put it up, let's uh let's bump it up two more keys and the musicians like, could all do it because they're all pros yeah. so they were like sure let's do and i was like uh <laughs> you know, like i don't know man but this, I did this it. instrument is not like is not as simple yeah I can't just go up two steps and everything, everything's going to be fine. And I did it. And man, I listened to it. And I'm like, this is trash. This is so bad. Like, this is embarrassing, but now I want to hear it. But that's, and- that's your, your take on it. Because like, you know, with the first time I recorded myself and I tried to listen to myself, every time you record yourself on WhatsApp or something, you hear yourself back and you're like, <laughs> yeah. you, oh. get, you get cringed yeah, yeah. out of your skin because like, I, 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 there's people, there are people, I, I don't understand. There are also close people to, to me who after after they record themselves, they'll play this, the recording to hear how, like what they said. And I'm like, yeah. why would you ever listen to yourself talking after you recorded? Like, let so this the- is like speaking, not singing, but yeah, like, yeah. but, oh, okay, I but see. speaking right now on the podcast actually is different because it's first of all, better equipment. And it's processed different, a little bit differently, and you can hear the whole voice, and not just like the cutout that the phone makes with yeah. its shit yeah. microphone. So, listen to yourself, uh, to your like from uh, for me, what I think of it is when you're listening to yourself speak in a recording, like a proper recording, is like a mirror to your voice, like me, like yeah. you, you, you yeah. but. Some some people don't like their reflection in the mirror, and I think if your your experience is subjective, and you say, "Oh, it's probably trash," but someone will listen to it, they're like, "Oh shit, this is this is fire!" Like, why? No, you- <laughs> I wish I had a so you could listen to it and be like, "Yeah, this is trash." Because <laughs> like, I mean, as as a singer, I've I've definitely gotten used to my voice. Absolutely, like when I hear it, I know if it's if it could be better or if it's you know really good or you know you get used to it you learn how to criticize your own voice through different mics through different mediums um so i know what i'm supposed to sound like in pretty much any setting but man this was like this was so bad like my voice was cracking i sounded like i I can't think of any singer who does it because people tend to avoid it actually you know kind you know how evanescence i don't know if you remember them oh hell yeah um, yeah but like she, when she would sing really high notes, she would do this and it was her style. So whatever, but generally you're not supposed to sing like that where she sings right out of her nasal Nasal. passages. And when you go too high, it starts to sound not good. Like that, that approach only works in isolated situations. So sometimes when she would sing like really, really high and hold it there with that, you know, you're just kind of like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if I like that. She could have picked a different tone, I think. And and uh, for this song that I was recording, I didn't have a choice. I had to do that tone. They wanted a power belt. I couldn't like slip into a head voice. And I was like, I'm going to lose my vocal cords. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I got to find this so we can just listen to it and be like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you should so always ask like the, the studios, like, hey, can I get a copy of my, I like to show my mom. 
should be proud. I know. I should. <laughs> I should. It's a shame because like all demo work, I never see it again. Sometimes I'll hear it on, like I did a country song that I heard on the radio like a few years later and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I sang that. She heard me. That's cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, otherwise. How is it like for you? Because you're a multifaceted person and it's, I, I would say it's pretty rare in these days that you have also like the down and like the down and dirty like survival and like the <laughs> the high yeah. end of of science and and math like math not just like the yeah, math yeah. work and then the art so how how do you how do you how is it like for you to interact with other people who most of them are just single faceted or yeah. double at best I mean, I do want to start by saying that it's not really me. This is my parents. My sisters are just like me. Um, this was all my parents. <laughs> no, but I'm saying uh, like your upbringing. You know, yeah. Thanks to them, I think. Yeah, because, you know, we didn't have a television and we didn't have internet and we lived in the woods. And so if we were bored, my mom would be like, read a book. I mean, literally, you'd ask my mom how to spell a word and she'd like, she'd be like, look it up in the dictionary. <laughs> uh, you know, and I... Uh, <laughs> I needed to like work to get some work done on my car. And my dad was like, we're going to do it, you know? And it was just, my parents were very like, no, we're going to do it. And if you're bored, that's your problem. And you need to figure out. So they would get us books and instruments and, and anything we wanted to work on or paint. My sister got really into painting. My other sister got really into like languages and guitar at one point. So it was just, my parents gave us the resources and then walked away. So it was on us to, you know, get interested in it. Um, so I really thank them. I don't know what I would have been like without being pushed like that. Um, and honestly, when I meet people like in Los Angeles or anywhere where they just have one thing, like one thing they're really into, maybe two, I honestly just wonder what their parents were like. That's really what I always think about. Like, you know, did, did your parents, what did, like when you were bored, did they just like drop you in front of an iPad or that's the, the common solution these days? Yeah, which is which is really sad. I mean, obviously they didn't exist in the '90s and the early 2000s, but I, I do think it's. I do wonder if it's the parents and the environment and the school that you grew up in. What was your school like? And I think that it creates these habits for life. You know that, you, and you get into your 30s and your 40s and your 50s, and you're like, well, you know, I can only have one thing that I like. Yeah, but so, but how is it like for you to to interact with people who you basically have a wide range of of interests and, and and passions and you kind of look at the world as your oyster and you get to figure out a lot of things for yourself but people are just yeah. like how is it like for you to have conversations with other people or kind of because you said you go for the military people because they have kind of the sim similar experience or say shared interest that you can yeah. talk to but let's say on the day-to-day -day life how do you create those connections with people uh most of them think i'm full of shit to be honest <laughs> which i totally understand you know guilty until proven innocent with a lot of people on that um but i i bring the credentials <laughs> so but honestly that is what it what it comes down to is people just don't believe me i think and so it takes a lot of time for me to explain like here's a map of where i grew up and here's pictures of me doing this stuff and um here's articles sometimes of you know when i worked in politics um i got interviewed in the washington post a few times because 
I was working on, it was Barack Obama running for his first term, um, at my school, there was like this huge support for him. And so, you know, there are those articles to prove that I did work in politics for a hot minute. And like, so there's like little pieces of evidence, but generally that's my biggest problem is people are just like, no way. And I'm like, I'm not that special. It's really just when I get bored, <laughs> I don't really like to sit around and watch TV or go on my computer. Like I like to read or pick up a new hobby. Like I just picked Arabic back up. Um, hey, that's nice. I one day I'll yeah. learn that too. But right now I'm on. <laughs> right now I'm perfecting my Spanish, but. Oh, nice. That, like all my friends are speak Spanish because I, I need to learn Spanish of all languages because literally all my friends are bilingual in Spanish. But here I am like, because I, I went to um, uh, the American University in Cairo for um, for Arabic, but this was like, oh my God, 15 years ago. So I have forgotten pretty much all of it. <laughs> and uh, so I started picking it back up again. I have my notebook right here because this is what I was doing before. So it's like, I don't know. I just, I need to pick at stuff. And I think people have become too comfortable and they don't want to learn. I think, honestly, I mean, all of this could really come down to discomfort at yeah. the end of the day. You know, my parents made me uncomfortable in, in the sense that they made all three of us uncomfortable so that we would do things. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, it's, it sounds like not necessarily uncomfortable, but just like be able to deal with uncertainty because yeah. discomfort brings... It 100% recipe for uncertainty because you're going to go to uncharted territory that you haven't been before and now you have to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to make out of it, like make the most out of it. So you're being thrown into the woods figuratively yeah. and literally you had to adapt and kind of live off the uncertainty and kind of make make something. So I think for you and your sisters and your family, they... They kind of gave you the best toolbox you can deal with life because like they said, okay, oh, yeah. no matter what happens, you were like, all right, shit happened. Let's figure out. Like, what do I know? Where can I start? That, that's <laughs> that was literally my parents' motto. <laughs> like, yeah. you're, I feel like your parents could be a very good Russian people because Russian people are just like, all right. <laughs> well, Talk. yeah, my, my mom's side is, um, well, so country doesn't exist anymore, but my mom's side is Yugoslavian. Um, supposedly. <laughs> supposedly but my grandmother spoke russian and german and she mm -hmm. everything about her was super sauce so we <laughs> we think she was probably a soviet spy oh shit. um like i look more irish but my mom and then my grandmother like as you go up they start to look really russian so i'm like oh. <laughs> i don't know um but yeah I, there was a bit of like slavic upbringing in, in in my in my life which was if one child is guilty all children are guilty yep. <laughs> so there was a lot of that which really sucked but overall i mean uh, if if i hit any sort of su success with anything that i'm working on like i really hope one day people interview my dad especially because I mean, they're like the coolest people and it always makes me sad when I make a video and I talk about them and people think that they like abused us or something. And I'm like, that's how far removed you are from reality yeah. that you think this is abuse. Like my parents were trying to teach us something that's very difficult to learn, you know, and it's not like they just took these spoiled children and threw them into this terrible environment. Like there were lessons building up to this moment. Yeah, it was supervised. It's not like. Yes, it was. I mean that a lot of people are I saw I saw it even during like a few years ago that if if you let your kid walk alone 
in the street past a certain time, maybe you, someone call should call it like uh, child services on you. Yeah. And I'm like, no. How do you expect a kid, like someone, to grow up in this world? This world is hostile. Like it's not your yes. your nice uh, little suburb where you know all the neighbors because you're gonna go out and if that kid is gonna go out and experience the world, he's gonna be fucked. Yeah. Like, yeah. You you need to learn. Like. I'm sure we all love the world to be a bit safer, but it's not. So Most of the world the kid... is not safe. Most of the world is yeah. is not the US, the U.S. or a third world, or like a first yeah. world country. Most of the world yeah. is a, is a shit show. So yes. So yes. Get off your goddamn horse and like start like living life and let your kids like do shit and teach them how to to live like make like how to make a good decision out of that like the things that they made yeah it's getting worse here too it's getting oh, more boy. i don't want to say censored i don't know it's just getting like they're trying to make the world safer here i don't know if that's even the right terminology i don't it's think just... it's safer more more i feel like they're like with all the rhetorics i think what happens though and 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 that's like the most i'll talk about the, the current situation because there's so much to talk about it affects so yeah. it's it, it affects so many things but what happens is the very a very um vocal a vocal few is trying to dictate the 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 situation for the majority which is silent and just living their life in peaceful way yeah. and yeah. and so they're trying to kind of like force their opinion down their throats which is uh, goes against which is exactly what they're opposed to so it's kind of like a stupid game, which is eventually it's gonna collapse into itself because it's not feasible. So there's there is yeah. a there is there there is a personal truth and there is the world truth. And your personal truth is isn't worth much in the grand scheme of things. You can't know the world truth though if you don't see the world. That's yeah. the that's the tricky part. And seeing it through social media it's just it's not the same it's not no. like submersion you know what i mean it's like you have to actually be a part of these environments to understand what you're looking at 100 percent. yeah how so yeah. so before like we we kind of wrap things up with the pack with this episode how would you uh i'd say what would be your your two cents for people kind of to experience the world or build their connection and kind of and deepen their connections with what they do or it's tricky right because there's two aspects of it if especially if you're an american you know seeing the world is not really an option for a lot of people because of how expensive it is it really just mm -hmm. comes down to money which is sad because i think a lot of people i think a lot of americans would travel a lot more if they could financially if they could afford it um but i honestly if it comes down to the nature aspect of it and just having a sense of your own mortality and maybe that helping you understand other people's mortality it's so easy to just go out into the backyard and not come back <laughs> in a sense you know what i mean like uh, making yourself uncomfortable and that's really the, the key i think making yourself uncomfortable and learning how to live with that and make it a comfortable situation. Yeah. And I mean, there's national, again, I don't know about anywhere else. Um, I know a lot of countries have national parks of their own design. Those are the best places to go because it's kind of like you can straddle, right? Yeah. You're, you're monitored. There's always like some kind of search and rescue system set up no matter what country you're in. 
And then at the same time, you are kind of on your own. Yeah. So I think that's a really good balance. So I always support like go to national parks because you're safe, but you're not. It's like swimming <laughs> with floaters. Yeah. Yeah. Like at least you're in the water. Yeah. You know, at least you're but, trying. You're learning yeah. how to swim. And then one day maybe you take off the floaters right. and you'll be able to kind of not go yeah. to the deep end yet, but just like, you know, swim by yourself. And I think that's the biggest issue is people don't know who they really are, what they really are, because you don't, again, this is the military thing. I think, especially my friends who've, who've seen combat, you know, it's like, you really learn who you are in those moments because they're extreme situations that you can't even prepare for. You think you can, but then you're in it and you're like, wait a minute, this no. is not what I expected at all. And you learn about yourself. And when it's man versus nature, it's the same thing. You know, you're put into an extreme situation. You realize who you really are. Like what I always tell people is the lesson that I was most disappointed about in myself was, I mean, I was young, so who cares, I guess, but I was 12 years old and we were on a camping trip, but we ran out of food and we were lost. Yeah. And this went on for three days. And what I did not like, like about myself was how selfish I became. I was really so, I mean, I was like stealing food again, a child, so whatever, but I was really disappointed in myself, you know, and I got out of that and I was like, that was terrible. Like it was my sister that I was just stealing shit from, <laughs> you know what I mean? And she called me out on it too. She was like, what the hell it was peanut butter, man? I oh. remember that was peanut butter. <laughs> I was stealing the peanut butter and, um, I never did it again, you know, because I was like, I turn into a bad person when I think I'm in danger and I didn't like that. And it took years to really get to peel every layer of that away. Um, just tons of bad situations and then learning how to adapt. And, um, I think without all that, I wouldn't really know that I, sh I did struggle with selfishness on a profound level more beyond uh, fight or flight. This was like, I'm willing to steal from my fucking sister. I mean, that's insane. Right. So people need to be in these bad situations to see who they really are and then grow from it, adapt and become who they want to be. Yeah. But you can't know that until until you're in, in until the, you really see yourself. Until you really kind of put a mirror in front of your face and being shown the person that you are. I mean, you yeah. could you could go through a different direction. You could say like, oh, I'm very, like, I take care of myself first when, no matter what. And that's, I guess that's a primal instinct. But like, yeah. again, to each his own and what's their goals of kind of person they want to be. But yeah, I really agree with you. You have to kind of, push yourself to put yourself in a situation that kind of gonna sh show what kind of person that you are and then you grow from that yeah. it has to be a situation you don't see coming yeah so you know <laughs> i i really i really believe in you have to create a toolbox for yourself to be able to deal with the with every situation so but be prepared for like the unknown just like there's yeah. so just you know that whatever happens you have your mind your 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 legs your arms to know what to do and but that's it that's the only thing you know how to use the rest is up yeah. for up for interpretation yeah yeah i love that yeah so we come to the last part of this uh podcast and i love to i love to this tradition of borrowing this questionnaire from from a show it's oh God, it's, okay. it's really it's really simple and it's not too nothing nothing too deep but it's just like for so the first question is what is your favorite word <laughs> unconventional all right i say it a lot what is your least favorite word moist 
Oh, I think I, that I know. I think everybody is like, yeah. <laughs> I feel everyone has a reaction when they hear this word. Yeah. Yep. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Pain. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> it ties into the TikTok kind of in the in a way. Uh, the one that was taken down. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, well, oh, not that kind. No, but I mean, no, like, no. It, like, it's like, it's inspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. No, I'm just yeah, like. Not, yeah, professional dom work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what turns you off? Mm, selfishness. Ironically, and we were just talking about that. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. Uh, it's like right there. Because it's so diverse. Yes. <laughs> It's a verb. It's a noun. It's an adjective. Have you seen that? There's a Netflix uh, series about the uh, history of curse words. Oh, I need to watch that. That's, it's uh, it's hosted by yeah. Nicolas Cage. He does a great yes. job. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love him. What sound or noise do you love? Sound or noise? The wind. What sound or noise do you hate? train tracks like or just trains i hate the sound of trains oh my god they stress me out <laughs> are you jewish no <laughs> why do you do you hate trains <laughs> historically it wasn't a good means of transportation oh. <laughs> yeah no no you're right yeah okay I can, oh I someone's can... gonna hate me right now after i i make those jokes uh i don't know but whatever. maybe in a previous life i don't uh, know <laughs> grandpa wouldn't be happy what, what professor uh, professor come on what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, being a writer, I think. All right. Yeah. What profession what profession would you not like to, to do? Search and rescue. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never You've again seen will too I do much. anything like that. No, I'm so over it. Oh god. <laughs> I'm done. Tapped out of that. Yeah. If heaven exists. What would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? I want him to give me my list back. Uh, when I was growing up, I made a mental list of things I wanted answers to. You know, like something would happen. I'd be like, I wonder what that really was. And I would add it to my mental list. There must be thousands of things. I want that <laughs> list and I want the answers to my list. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. so at this point, I leave the microphone to you and... Uh, tell the people how they can find you and your and everything that you do. So the floor is yours. Uh, my primary form is TikTok, I guess, that I come in. Uh, and that's modern day Eratosthenes. And the reason I went with Eratosthenes is because uh, he was around, I think, 200 BC. And he was in charge of the, Alexandria of li the Library of Alexandria. And he was a philosopher and a mathematician and a musician. He liked literally all the same things that I liked. The only catch was that he never mastered anything. So everybody used to say he was the beta of all things. And a lot of people think that's the master of known quote, but that's Shakespeare, and that was much later. Um, Eratosthenes, Eratosthenes was the king of just never being a king and just having all these different interests, which is what I like to do and just touch upon everything. Um, so I do have Instagram and email and all that, but I don't like to use it, but I post about every other day on topics that vary from anything of survival training to math to science and science and movies specifically because they're always beaten to crap um 
But yeah, I would say the modern day Eratosthenes is basically my main platform and where I'm most easily found. <laughs> so I'll put all the links into the description of the podcast and I'll also blast it on my social media when I uh, put out the, the episode. Excellent. And with that, uh, I'll just say, because I forgot to say at the beginning, it doesn't mean like our conversations like ends, but this is the end of the episode. So thank you everyone who tuned in and listened to this awesome, awesome conversation and the kind of comeback of the podcast. And I couldn't yes. think of a very of a, a better guest. Seriously, I couldn't think of a better guest to do it with you. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here and sharing your input. Uh, I hope people would find it very valuable as much as I did. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks and for having me. I'll see you guys next time.